So our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 21, and that's on page 1027 in your Bibles, or at least in the black Bibles that are provided on the chairs for you. So when I was 15 years old, I went into the DMV in northern Ohio for for that rite of passage moment for every teenager when he applies for his learner's permit in order to begin driver's ed. There was, uh, at least at that time, there was a written exam, there was a, a signs recognition exam, there was a an eye test, Uh, there was an oral examination uh, where they asked you questions, uh, various questions, sometimes pertaining to your health, sometimes just pertaining to traffic laws. I was was a little nervous, and the attendant was, um, uh, let's just say, uh, she she was living up to the reputation that many DMV clerks have. I don't know if she was mumbling. I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention. Most likely I wasn't paying attention. But uh, she asked a question, and I missed it. And I just kind of looked at her, and I said, "Uh, what was that? At which point she looked up, maybe for the first time, from her computer screen and just glared at me like I was some teenage punk who was just there to waste her time and get a laugh. And then she repeated her question. She looked at me and she said, do you have a hearing problem? (laughs) And so I turned a little red and just muttered, "Um, no, sorry. It's a humorous situation to be sure. Now, obviously, um, as many of you here know, not all Uh, struggles with hearing are as humorous. But I think this passage reminds us that no struggle with hearing is more serious than a struggle with spiritual hearing. And so I want to ask you, as we stand for the reading of God's Word, how's your hearing? This is the word of God. It's faithful and true. Roman, or excuse me, Luke 8. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture." And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. 
As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a little while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter the house enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be, made, be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The grass withers, the flowers fade, and yet the word of the Lord remains forever. You may be seated. So our outline's pretty simple as we break down the, the passage here. First, we look at the first women of hope, uh, the purpose of parables, Keep an eye on your ears and the family of Jesus. It's interesting, I think, uh, when you read this in the whole, because at first glance it just looks like Luke just kind of didn't have anywhere else to put this first paragraph, so he just shoved it here and it didn't really matter. Uh, but when you look at verses 1 to 3 and verses 19 to 21, uh, you see that they're sort of uh, bookends for the parable section. Uh, and so you see basically two groups of people and their interactions with Jesus or their association with Jesus. And we'll see as we get to the second section, to the last, uh, the last point in the outline, we'll see if these two groups relate to one another and if so, how. But for now, uh, let's just focus on uh, Luke's conviction to mention the women who are also disciples of Jesus, women who traveled with him. And they are, they're mentioned not just in passing, but mentioned alongside of the 12. Like he, he, he is using language of elevation and equality, saying there were the 12 who were following Jesus, and there were these women who were also following Jesus. 
And this is not the only time that Luke focuses on the women in Jesus' life. In Acts 1, again, he will name the 11 along with the women who followed Jesus, all being present together in the upper room. In Acts 16, we're told by Luke that Lydia is the first convert in Philippi. In Acts 17, we're told again by Luke that a woman named Priscilla, along with her husband Aquila, were very helpful and even partners in the ministry with Paul. And they were even used by God to correct uh, some misguided teaching of Apollos. At a time when some rabbis considered it a waste of time to educate women, Jesus shows again that the culture of the kingdom of God that he is bringing is not a culture of oppression or exclusion or hierarchy, but is a culture of acceptance and inclusion and equality. And while it might be accurate and even biblical to be reminded that it was a woman who was deceived by Satan in the garden, it would also be good for us to remember that it was not a woman who betrayed Jesus, but a man. It was not women described as abandoning Jesus, but men. It was not a woman who denied that she ever knew Jesus three times. It was a man. And the Bible is clear and even repetitive that it was women who stayed and bore witness to the entire crucifixion. It was women who watched to see where the body was buried. It was women who struck out at first light the day after the Sabbath in order to care for the dead body. And therefore, it was women who were the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and a woman, Mary, the first witness of the resurrected Jesus and therefore the first witness, the first to bear witness to the reality that Jesus was alive. The women mentioned here with details, uh, it's quite, this. even just this paragraph is an insight into the power of the gospel, isn't it? When we get Mary called Magdalene, uh, Magdalene uh, having to do with where she's from, so sort of like Anne of Green Gables, this is Mary of Magdalene, uh, from whom seven demons went out, likely when they... Uh, when they finally got jobs or got spouses. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a joke I couldn't resist. I should have resisted because it makes light of the demons. I mean, think about this. Seven demons were making their home in this woman. Do you think that was slightly oppressive? Do you think that was a bit of a burden? It's interesting, some want to associate Mary with the woman in chapter 7, the sinner from town. Um, is that necessary? Do we need to put on her also a bad reputation? Isn't it enough that she has seven demons living in her? 
And then there's this woman, Joanna. She's the wife of the household manager of Herod. I mean, she's, I mean she has arrived. She's in the upper echelon of who's who. Uh, her husband runs Herod's household. Do you ever look at the people in your life and assume that they're just out of reach of the gospel? That there's no point? You know, either they're, they're just too far gone into Satan's cesspool, or they're just too high up in their own rat race of importance. Like, the, the gospel could never reach them. Just these two women in the description that that Luke gives us reminds us that nobody is beyond the reach of the power of the gospel. No one is beyond the reach of the love of Jesus Christ. And that is the transitional paragraph into the parable of the sower. Again, we'll try to understand why Luke brings it up here when we get to the end. But for now, we're told that when more and more people were gathering from town after town to hear Jesus teach, he began to use parables, which raises the question, why? What is the purpose of parables? So, A couple of summers ago, in 2019, I guess it's three summers ago now, uh, we did a summer series on parables at Hope of Christ, just looking at various parables. And it's interesting how how many of us, or some, uh, believe that Jesus spoke in parables, you know, just to be, in order to be real, so he could be genuine. You know, he, he uses earthy easy to understand examples and because he's a you know he's he's just a salt of the earth kind of guy he's not going to he's not going to use 50 cent five syllable theological words and then force you to look those up no he's going to talk to you about seeds and dirt and and just and sowing and like and the it's the stuff of earth and in one sense i guess you could say that's sort of true Like, in one sense, you could say these parables are relatively easy to understand as a story. Like, none of us have perhaps, well, maybe some of you have, none of us have been old-fashioned sowers of seed, but we understand the concept. We can see what he's saying. It's, It's pretty simple in that sense, but in another sense, it's not easy to comprehend. His parables are not easy to understand their meaning. What is the meaning behind the parable? Why did he use this particular parable? Now, maybe you are thinking, well, Leonard, this one's pretty easy to understand. But that's because you're cheating. That's because you can't, you can't not know what you know. It's like those books, Where's Waldo? Once you know where Waldo is, it's hard not to know where Waldo is, isn't it? And once someone points it out to you, you're like, you're looking at someone else looking for him. You're like, oh, what an idiot. I know right where he is. It's so easy. That's because somebody showed you. Sorry, don't use that word, especially on Mother's Day. Uh, But you know what this parable is about because Jesus already told you what this parable is about. If this had been the end, if it just ended with that parable, 
we have to admit, we would be in the same place as the disciples. At best, we'd be like, cool story, bro. Like, we would not be anywhere. And that's where his disciples are. They're like, so nice. I I liked the farmer. What, What was that? Why did you do that? Why are you doing that? You know, before Jesus explains the what of the parable, he explains the why. Why does he speak in parables? In one sense, it begins actually at the close of the parable. After the parable, he closes it up by saying, if you have ears to hear, then listen. So the disciples ask, why? Why parables? And he says in verse 10, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. Now, if all he meant was, as believers, you're going to have this super special inside knowledge, and you'll have the secret decoder ring, and you'll understand these things, then they wouldn't have asked him, because they would have understood. When he says to them, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom, one have to, you have to wonder, well, how? How were the secrets given to them? How, how did the disciples learn what the parable meant? Well, I mean, how did you learn what the parable meant? You can answer me. Yeah, Jesus told them. Do you know how they learned what the parable meant? They asked Jesus, what does the parable mean? He's not saying, you're going to have this super insider place. He's saying, you, do you know what you have? You have access. To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom. Why? Because you come to me and you ask. When there's a thing you don't understand, you ask, and I tell you. I think that's what the, the jar and the lamp are. They're not about you and me being light to the world. That's, that's in other places where Jesus talks about that. He'll say, you're the light of the world. But here he's saying, listen, you, you don't light a lamp in order to immediately hide it. You light a lamp so that people can see. He says, you don't, there's nothing that's hidden that isn't meant to be found. Are these, are these things hidden? Okay, yes, so, so seek them out. Come to me and ask, and I'll explain these things to you. You don't, you know, you don't hide something for it not to be found. You hide things so that they can be found, even if it's just so that you can find it again one day. The whole purpose of hiding is finding. Maybe, I don't know your view of eggs in April, uh, but there's the fun activity of, of Easter egg hunts. And you hide things, but you're hiding them in the yard so that they will be found. And there's nothing more annoying than an unfound egg when you're mowing the lawn in June. And you send splatters of chocolate gooeyness across whoever is nearby. The whole purpose of hiding is finding. He says there's no secret that isn't going to be revealed. Like when you say to someone, hey, I know a secret. Like why are you telling them that? At the very minimum, it's so that they'll say, oh, tell me. And then you get to say, oh, no, I can't. 
Like the whole purpose of telling someone you have a secret is so that they want to know what the secret is. Even if you have no intention of telling them the secret, you still want the satisfaction of them wanting to know the secret. You say, I have a secret just for the purpose of someone saying, oh, tell me what it is. And then maybe you'll share because that's even more fun. Uh, But maybe you'll keep it to yourself, but you've still won. You still got what you wanted. The worst thing about telling someone, oh, I have a secret, is them saying, good, you should probably keep it. And then they walk away. And you're like, what the heck? Who are you? And so then you find someone else and you tell someone else until you get the satisfaction. Jesus says, yeah, there are secrets. But they're not secrets in order to be unknown. They're secrets in order to be known. So come to me. Ask. I will tell you. The passage that Jesus is quoting from is in Isaiah 6. You know, it's that, that great passage where Isaiah is going. Uh, he's been caught up into the heavens, and he sees uh, the holiness of God unveiled. And God says, who will I send? And, and Isaiah says, send me. And he says, go and preach to a people who will not listen. To a people who will see and never see, who will hear but never understand. Because Israel had stopped listening. They had stopped seeing. They had stopped pursuing God and stopped responding to God's pursuit of them. And so God says, listen, one day I'll have enough of that. If you stop listening, one day I will simply stop talking. It is a judgment on us for how we stop listening to God. And he says, and I will stop speaking to you. And one day, it will get to a point where even though you hear, you won't hear. And even though you see, you won't see because of the hardness of your hearts. God's word brings both illumination and deliverance to those who will listen. And God's word brings judgment and darkness to those who refuse to listen. And so the purpose of parables is that you pay attention to how you're listening. In fact, that's what Jesus says in verse 18. Take care how you listen. Literally, watch your ears. Look at your hearing. Look at your ears. Obviously, a a literally impossible task no matter how fast you look, and I tried this week, uh, I mean, without a mirror, you can't look at your ears. So Jesus is saying, keep an eye on your ears. The whole passage has to do with listening and hearing. In fact, it's the repetitive word throughout this passage, hearing, nine times. Two, at the end of the parable, in verse eight, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 10, the judgment that someone might be hearing but not understanding. Then in the explanation of the parable, in verse 12, those who heard. In verse 13, when they hear. In verse 14, those who hear. In verse 15, those who hearing the word. In verse 18, the final explanation and warning, take care how you hear. Even the opening paragraph, even though the word hearing is not there, it's there. Jesus is going throughout city and village, 
proclaiming. He is preaching. He's bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And newsflash, he wasn't miming. Like he was speaking the news, the good news of the kingdom. And so the assumption is that people were hearing. People aren't just listening, but they're, they're hearing. And those who heard are, are being changed and delivered and affected. And those who didn't hear or weren't listening or didn't care remained lost. And so the description, some, some people receive the word of God like hardened, packed down dirt receives seed. It doesn't. The seed just stays on the surface and is taken away. Unwilling to listen or to consider. And so the word is gone. Some receive the word with joy. Like shallow soil takes seed. And because the soil's shallow, it can heat up really fast. And so it can sprout really fast. But it dries out really fast. And the moment the sun comes and scorches the earth, the plant withers and dies without fruit. The moment there's too much heat, there's no growth. When trials or pain or suffering or any kind of testing comes along, and we wonder, what was this all for then? What was the point? Some are like seeds sown among weeds. It looks like growth. But the weeds grow just as quickly, and they dominate, and they choke out the appearance of life. He says the the cares and riches and pleasures of life choke out the Word of God. The cares and riches and pleasures of life, or as we talk about them often, our perceived needs and wants and desires. Those grow up as fast as any Word of God in our hearts, and that's what we pursue But Jesus says there's some soil, though, that takes the seed and life is produced. And those who hear the word and and hold fast to it, fruit is born with patience. And isn't patience the key there? Like in in any farming parable, patience is part of it. There's a slow growth and there's a slow production of fruit. It doesn't happen overnight. It never happens overnight. But as you listen and receive freely, more will be given. And as you hear, more is poured in. And as you refuse to listen, even that which you presumed to have is taken away. And so the last section. I was going to call the last section... Your mom. But then I realized it's Mother's Day, and that's a little crass. So I probably, so I stuck with the family of Jesus. So what's going on in this last paragraph? Again, the clue is in Jesus' response. If you're a counter, you realize I didn't tell you all nine of the hearings, all nine of the times that Jesus uses the word hearing. If you're not, that's okay. The last one is in Jesus' response. My mother and brothers are those who what? Who hear the word of God and do it. Isn't that interesting? 
So here are Jesus, let's set this stage. Jesus' mom and brothers are coming to him. And they can't get to him. And I don't know if they are asking for some sort of insider allowance or if the people around are just there asking on their behalf. And they're like, hey, your mother and brothers are here. They'd like to see you. He's like, well, it's your mom. You should be nice to her. You should, that, that should earn you something. And Jesus says, you know what? You, you look around. Do you know who my mother and brothers are? The people who hear the word of God and do it. There is no one closer to Jesus than those who hear his words and listen and follow. And so this is where these bookends come in, isn't it? These two groups of people. You can, you can be in the discard pile of Satan's used up and despised and hear the word of God and respond in repentance and faith and you are a sister of Christ, a brother of Christ, your Savior. Mary, the mom trying to get to Jesus and Mary, the demoniac. They're both in. Could there have been a more hardened, distracted, shallow heart than a heart occupied by seven demons? Are you, are you hardened to God's word? Are you calloused, skeptical, <coughs> cynical? Are you distracted by the pain and sorrows and suffering in your life? Are you starting to wonder, what is this all for? Are you overwhelmed by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world? I mean, you want Jesus, you just want Jesus along with these other things. Jesus says, watch your ears. Listen. Listen to me. Hear Jesus, Jesus who says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. You will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Or in John 1, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. Children born not of blood or of the will of flesh or even the will of man, but of God. And our assurance of pardoning grace in 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has for us. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. There is forgiveness even for the most famous of sinners. In Luke 7, the woman known in her town by her sin, not even by her name, she finds forgiveness when she crashes Jesus' crashes Jesus's party. There is deliverance for the most overwhelmed and oppressed like Mary with her seven demons. There's hope for you and for me. Jesus is speaking. 
Can you hear him? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, for your words of life. We know that the only hope is for you to do a miraculous change in the soil of our hearts. We know this because it's the only reason any of us have responded to your voice. Would you soften our hearts, deepen our longing for you, Weed out the distractions. Give us ears to hear. Every day that the sun rises is a day of salvation. Is an opportunity for us to turn, to listen, to repent and believe. God, would you work in our hearts? Would you give us compassion for the hard hearts around us? And would you help us to desire to see them drawn to you even as you drew us? May we hear and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stay.